This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I love my spiritual family. I'm so glad to be here. I'll tell you what, that's uh, what we're all about, helping, helping people win in life. And I think about that family there, lots of things going on in that family there. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes like Miss Pastor, about our daughter and her husband moving down here from Alaska, man, you, you, you never, ever, ever give up on your faith in God, that he does things and you know, Mr. Pastor and I come out here in 2005 basically by ourselves, although we've got eight kids. And over the years, one by one, they've been moving to California. You know, sometimes it takes a while, but God's been moving them out here, getting in the ministry and things like that. So no matter where you are in life, just know this. Jesus knows where you are. He knows where you live at. He's got a good plan for your life. And if you don't give up on him, it'll come to pass. Amen. 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 All right, does anybody need a, a sermon outline? If you do, hold up your hands. Hold up your hand if you need a sermon outline, and the ushers will stick one right in your blessed little hands. And, and you notice that the title of the message today is Your Victory is in Your Mouth. Your Victory is in Your Mouth. And I want to show you some books out of the bookstore that uh, blessed me over the years, and they'll bless you too. The number one book is called The Believer's Authority. The Believer's Authority. To me, that's, that's one of the most important uh, books available to man next to the Bible to help believers really get their life together. I'll tell you why I say that. How many have ever heard of the Soviet Union? Okay, now it's called the former Soviet Union because it's not the Soviet Union anymore. Russia, Russia is not the Soviet Union. Russia was the motherland for the Soviet Union years ago. But uh, back in, uh, I guess, the... Uh, Probably the late 70s, early 1980s, a man named Jim Caseman, we just spent a week with him up in Minnesota, but Jim Caseman found an organization called, called Association of Faith, Churches, and Ministries, AFCM, and God gave him an assignment to print, what was it, 3.3 million? 3.3 million of this book called The Believer's Authority in the Russian language. And this, this before the Iron Curtain fell, when it was still the Soviet Union, had a lot of bad stuff going on. The Lord told him to fit up 3.3 million of these and smuggle them across the Soviet Union. And so anyway, long story short, fast forward back in the uh, probably mid-90s, I, I, I met some Russian pastors. As a matter of fact, some of them been to my church back in Indiana. And they said that for years as believers over in Russia, it was hard when it was an atheist country where they killed Christians. It was hard to have any kind of faith out in the open where you could do anything. And so they didn't have a lot of Bible teaching. They had Bibles. They loved Jesus. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for God to free their country, for the Iron Curtain to fall. And so anyway, they got this book, The Believer's Authority, their hand started coming through there. And they said, they said, we prayed, but we didn't know what to do. So then this here showed them how to take authority over communism. Now take authority over those evil spirits that bound all those people. So then they, they changed how they were praying. And we're going to talk about that today when I teach a little bit. They changed how they were praying and began to speak right. It wasn't too many years till we saw a man named Ronald Reagan over in Berlin. Said, Mr. Gorbachev, take that wall down. Well, these believers learned how to speak to that wall. 
like Jesus says, speak to the mountain, tell it to be removed. So this book here to me is such a, such an awesome book to teach believers how to have faith with their praying to get results. Amen. Great, 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 great book. And then also, God's Creative Power by Charles Capps. This is a very, very, very wonderful little book. I've, uh, they had had copies of this book for years and years and years. When I was a truck driver before I was a preacher, I always carried this book in my pocket. And when I was in places where I had nothing but time on my hands, so I was waiting on trucks to be unloaded or waiting for things to happen, I'd pull this out. And I'd read it again out loud because it's full of Bible verses about how to pray and how to talk over your family, your finances, your health, situations in life. And I learned a lot of faith out of this book right here. They're in the bookstore. They really help you. Then here's another good one by Brother Hagin. You can have what you say. You can have what you say. And I want, I, want, I want to take that up a level. Not you can't have what you say. You will have what you say. What you're saying is what you're having. And you learn, need to learn how to talk right. But those books are all in the bookstore. And you need them. Uh, does anybody not have this book that would like to have this? We'll give this away this morning. She said, give it to Marcella. Sorry, Maxine. You was first, but the first is last. <laughs> Marcella, you're the one I was thinking about. You need that. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. It's going to be a great day in God's house. Your victory's in your mouth. And I want you to open up your Bibles to Psalms chapter 19. And we're going to be looking at verse 12 through 14. Psalms chapter 19. We're going to look at verse 12 through 14. And I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to pray over you before we begin to look at this. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, when you're on earth, you told us that our Father knows the number of every hair on our head. And with all the billions of people on earth today, I think that is so awesome, so amazing. It's too wonderful to understand that every person in every country of the world today you can look down at them and you know the number of every hair on their head. And Lord, if you know that much about us, then we realize you know, you know more about our future than we know about the past. And I pray for this congregation this morning that's here in the service. And I pray for the ones listening to this on the podcast that you'd open their eyes today to see something they didn't see. And the ones that have known some things, you would quicken them. You'd refresh them to walk in the light of what they already know, to get back to where they were, to begin to talk right and believe right so they can receive right from you. And I just want to thank you in Jesus' name. There will be no distractions. Nobody's mind's going to wonder. They're going to focus on what you have to say. And we just thank you, Lord. The bottom line is for victory in every area of their lives as you intended. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 And so, you know, I, I wrote down some things this morning to add to this I was thinking about. I've been preaching, teaching the Word of God since 1981. How many, how many know 1981 has been a few moons ago? 1981 has been a while ago. I've been doing this for a while. But since 1992, I've been doing this a pastor, a full-time pastor. So I've seen a lot of things. I've learned a lot of things. And... Of course, I've grown over the years because, number one, a pastor should be a serious believer. How many know there's some pastors that aren't even believers because they're not saved? 
I've met too many of those guys over the years. They've got a lot of religion, but not any salvation working in their lives. And so a pastor should be a believer. So I've been growing all these years, but I was thinking back in the uh, early 90s when I was pastoring, I don't know about you, but I know about me. Sometimes, you know, a general idea of the plan of God for your life, but you want a bullseye, you want to hit the center of it. You want to be in the center of God's perfect will. And so I know as a as a pastor, since I already preached for a lot of years, been a truck driver for a lot of years and things, I, I knew some things about the Bible. I knew some things about different types of ministries. But I had to find out as a pastor, Lord, what's your exact assignment for me? How many know God has assignments? He gives you assignments in life. I look at Frank over there, military guy. I look at Raul, military guy. The military guys, it's one thing to be in the Army. It's another thing to know what you're supposed to do in the Army. You know, you're going to be in the, be in the right company. And you got to be trained for the right assignment for where you are. You know, I'm looking at the military today. Back when I was younger, a few years ago, all the Army stuff was green. Because World War II, Vietnam, everything was green. And then we started going to the Middle East, everything's brown. You know, sometimes you have to change what you do and how you look, depending on the times you live in, the situation. But anyway, it's spending time seeking the Lord, me and my staff, family back in Indiana in the 90s. We came up with, it's still our mission statement here at this church in California, that our main assignment, what we're focused on, is equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. Equipping God's people. And so the thing we're looking at today is going to be part of how we equip God's people, teach you from the Word of God. But uh, I went to, a, my first pastor's conference I went to was back in April of 1981. That's been a few years ago too, I guess. But anyway, at that conference, it was a John Olstein's church. John Olstein was Joel Olstein's dad. And John Olstein was my pastor's pastor, so I went with him down to Texas, uh, to Houston, to a pastor's conference. And when I heard John Olstein talk down there, that bear witness my spirit, the type of ministry I'm called to. You know, people ask him, well, what kind of outreach you do? What kind of visitation teams you have? What kind of things do you do? And John Olstein made this simple statement. It always stuck with me. He said, well, we don't have a specific ministry that goes out to feed the poor or work the homeless. We don't have a specific prison ministry. He said, but I keep so much victory in my people's lives and what I teach automatically. They visit prisons whenever they can. Automatically, they feed the poor. Automatically, they go to hospitals, nursing homes, and minister to people. But said, we don't have some specific program. says, this is our hospital ministry. This is our prison ministry. He said, I keep them so full of victory that they got to go somewhere to do something. And so that's always been my focus in this ministry. Sometimes we do special things for outreaches. We do those things sometimes. But the main thing is, I keep so much victory coming to the lives of the people that come consistently to this church instead of the Word of God, they can't help it but minister to the homeless. Can't help it but to go to prisons. Can't help it but to go to hospitals. Because there's so much victory. I mean, you know... You get so much in you, it's overflow. And when it's overflow, you see a need and you realize, I don't need to call the pastor. I've got hands. I can pray. I've got a mouth. I've got a heart. I've got faith. I can do this. And so that's what we're looking at today is more enhancing your equipment for victorious Christian living. God wants you to prosper spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, and socially. 
God wants every realm of your life to prosper. And, you know, when we use the word prosper, a lot of times we just think about money. But money's worth nothing if you're losing your family. Money's worth nothing if you're losing your mind. Money's worth nothing if you're dying and can't get healed. And so prosperity covers every realm of life. Money's worth nothing if you're losing your children. But I'll tell you what, God wants you to prosper in every realm. He wants your family stable. He wants your family delivered. He wants your family serving God. And you know, if you were like my family, I wasn't raised in a Christian family. God wants you now that you know what we know about Him. He wants your kids never to go down that divorce road. He wants your kids never to go down that addiction road. Wrong sexual things. Hopping from job to job. Never knowing what's going on. Wherever you came from, your kids can have better. But it all starts with you. And so today we're going to look at some things in the Word of God and the purpose being to equip you for a victorious Christian living, but at the same time to recognize that the victory has more to do with you than it does with God. When Jesus said it is finished, Jesus took care of things and it was finished for his part to give us a covenant, a better covenant, but it's up to us to walk in that covenant. Amen? So the more we learn from the Word of God how to walk in the light or revelation of the covenant that Jesus bought for us, then the more victory we're going to happen. That somebody said amen. And so here in Psalms 19, this is a really good psalm, but I want to focus on these last few verses, 12, 13, and 14. It says, uh, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Everybody wants to do right, and we need God's help. It says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. That means you've got to guard your conscience. Don't violate your conscience. And that word presumptuous uh, is talking about behavior. Failing to do right. And failing to observe the limits is what is permitted or appropriate. And so, you know, I, I just think about so many things. I want to stay focused on what I'm going to teach on. But I just want to say this, Christians. Just because the world says it's right, what does God say? Just because the Supreme Court passes a man's law that says something's legal, what does God say? There's some things politically correct across our land right now today that Christians get sucked into. But when you know the word of God, what God's already said, the Bible has absolutes. And so the Bible has things that are absolutely for Christians to live by. You don't have to go out and get on the news and get out there and flaunt yourself to get yourself arrested. But there's things in life we as Christians need to know we don't care if they say it's right. What does God say? I want the blessing of God on my family down here on earth. Jesus said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want the blessings of God as so I would rather please God than some stupid politician or deceived Christians that think they have to go the way of the world. Amen? You know, I, I, heard, I heard a pastor say something years ago. He said, I'm going to do right if nobody else does. And so when I know from the Bible how to live, I choose to live that way, even if it makes enemies out of Christian friends. 
Amen. You know, I, I, I tell you, I was, ta- I was talking to a man yesterday about my life this time last year compared to today. Most of you know what I went through last year with stage four cancer, heart attack, some bad things. But guess what? I walk with Jesus. And that attack from the devil could not stay on me because I walk with Jesus and I don't compromise. And I received my 100% healing. Totally healthy blood, totally healthy heart. I can do whatever I want to do. And since I have a healthy wife that has healthy faith that prayed at a healthy farm, I get to work 8, 10, 12 hours a day while I'm pastoring to work on the farm. All kinds of stuff she does. And so uh, if you want a dull life, pray at a dull wife. If you don't want a dull life, then pray at a wife that's got some vision, wants to do something, make sure you have your work shoes. Amen. And so I'm saying this, that I today... I'm telling you how this covenant works. Last year, I sat in a chair quite frequently with poison going into my arm called chemotherapy. And it was killing cancer, but it was hurting me pretty bad too at the same time. There came a point in time the doctor said, your body won't tolerate anymore. We're going to have to stop it before the program's done. I said, doesn't make any difference to me. Jesus is the one to take care of this anyway. So they stopped it. Now everything's totally it where it is. So that's, what, that's called victory. And so that's what I'm telling you. If you want a victorious Christian life, then follow people like me as I follow Christ. I'm not saying follow the man, follow the Christ in me to get the results of what Christ in me does. And so as we do those things, we're going to have victory in our lives. So he says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. This shall I be upright. I shall be innocent from the great transgression let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be accepted on thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And so Jesus told me years ago, I hope you're taking notes right on your paper. I'm going to say some things aren't on your, aren't on your outline there. You need to write down and remember some of these things. Jesus told me years ago, he looks for three things in the life of a believer. And this is what I'm talking about, equipping you for a victorious Christian living. You've got to know this. There's more than just going to church. There's more than just owning a Bible or an iPhone that's got the Bible on it or whatever it is, however you read your Bible. It takes more than that to have victory in your life. Jesus looks at three things. Your heart. This is where you fill in the blanks. Jesus looks at your heart, your words, and your actions. Heart, words, and actions. I want you to get that because there's more to your life than just having a Bible. There's more to life than just going to church. There's more than life than just said, oh, I love Jesus with all of my heart. Well, you need to love Jesus with your words. You need to love Jesus with your actions. There's more than just heart. But then at the same time, if you've got right words because you know a lot of the Bible, but your heart's not right, you're not going to get it. Or if you've got a good heart and right words, but your actions don't follow through, you're not going to get it. It takes heart, words, and actions to live a victorious Christian life. And so to enjoy victory in your family and home, on your job, in your health, in your finances, you must always be conscious of these three areas and working to grow and improve in all three. Working to grow and improve 
in your heart, your spiritual life, your conscious with God, with your words, of the, to the best of your ability. You don't have to go around and quote the Bible all the time. It's a good thing to quote the Bible, but the main thing is to speak in line with what the Bible says. Amen. And then following through with action. You need to be a doer of the word and not hearers only. So for your life to have the victory God wants you to have in your family, your home, your health, your job, your finances, your spiritual life, you need to be working all the time. And when you see where you're falling short, you need to stop. You need to listen. You need to pray. You need to change if you want victory. And so I want to focus today on the words that you speak, the words out of your mouth. I will look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And I love it when I get to teach a lesson like this, because to me, this, this is just such simple Christianity we're teaching today. This is, this, this is Christianity 101. This is part of the ABCs of faith. This is part of the foundation. This is part of, if you don't have this part right, nothing's really going to work. You know, there's a difference between knowing you're going to go to heaven when you die, but then get to enjoy the benefits of heaven while on earth. Amen. It doesn't take a lot to know you've got eternal life and go to heaven. If you believe in Jesus and you turn your back on the old life, and stay living for Jesus, you're going to get to go to heaven because when you call upon his name, you're saved. You can't go back and live how you want to. After you call upon the name, then you're deceived. Amen. When you know Jesus and Jesus in your heart, you've got to make some effort towards living right. But then if you decide you're going to move beyond that, and Pastor Dave called a wonder, taught a wonderful series last summer about discipleship, about being a disciple. It's one thing to be a convert. It's another thing to be a disciple. A disciple, someone that says, I've decided not to just ask Jesus to be my Savior, but I've decided to tell Jesus I want him to be my Lord. If Jesus becomes Lord of your life, guess what? You don't just get the job that you think you're supposed to have. You find out from Jesus, is this the job that you want me to have? You don't just buy the house or live in the neighborhood that you think you want to live in. You say, Jesus. Is this the neighborhood? Is this the house you want me to live in? If he's Lord of your life, that means master. That means your spiritual guide. That means your teacher. That means the ones that's your blesser. And so if he becomes Lord of your life, you start asking him about your relationships. Amen. And believe it or not, you even ask him where you should go to the grocery store at. You ask him about the car you're going to buy. Jesus knows everything about everything. And there's some times that he tells you to wait. He tells you don't buy it right now. He tells you don't change jobs right now. He may even tell you don't marry that one you think you're going to marry. If he becomes Lord, I want to say, in my prayer I said something a while ago, get a hold of this. Jesus knows more about your future than you know about your past. And so if he's going to be Lord of your life, when you look to him, he's going to put decisions in your heart. And when we were worshiping a while ago, I was thinking a question that I know somebody out here had. 
And so if that's you, then I'm going to answer your question right now. Uh, I'm not being fictitious. I'm telling you something by the Spirit of God right now. There's at least one person in here, and you're thinking this thought, that I hear people talk all the time, this is what you're thinking. How do I know the voice of God? I never hear the voice of God. How do these people say all the time, well, they were led, that God told me this or God told me that. Well, I don't think God ever talks to me. Well, write this verse. I'll give you two verses going to help you. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Two different verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And that word sons right there means mature. For many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're mature believers. Led by the Spirit of God, sons of mature believers. But then verse 16 says a little bit different. It says, it says, the Spirit itself, I don't like to call the Holy Spirit a it because it's not, he's a him. So in the Greek it talks him, not it. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Well, the children of God is different than the sons of God. The children of God means one that hasn't matured yet, they're just getting started. And so the Spirit, how many know when you got born again, on the inside of you, you may not have known much about the Bible, but you knew that you know that you know that you know, I'm, I'm born again. I've got eternal, I'm not who I used to be. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to fornicate anymore. I don't, I, I, I don't want to do cussing anymore. You've changed, something changed, it bears witness if your spirit, that I know that Jesus lives in my heart. You may not know how to tell somebody from the Bible yet how it works, but it bears witness if your spirit. So he says the spirit bears witness with your spirit as you grow, then you become sensitive to him leading you to do things. Okay? To hear the voice of God is not listening for something talking to your head. You're not going to hear things say, I'm God, do this. In your heart, you're going to know. You're going to be making a choice about a job or something. The Spirit bears witness. As you're making a decision in life, all of a sudden, not your head thoughts, but down here something doesn't feel right about this. I just, there's something wrong here. You're starting to be led by the Spirit. That's how God's talking to you. He puts, he'll put things in your heart, and in your heart you'll start thinking something like this. I need to go back to those people I talked to a couple months ago again about that job. Well, you're being led by the Spirit of God, and that's the voice of God begin to speak to your heart. Go back again and check with those last people again. Check with them. And then when you get there, they're going to say, you know what? We just had this opened up just yesterday. And this, and we were thinking about you. We're glad to see you again. Come on in. And let's look at your application again. Well, that's beginning to hear the voice of God. It's in your heart, not your head. So as you begin to be led like that, somebody out here thinking those things this morning about, well, boy, I'd like to know God's talking to me. Start listening on the inside down here. And then start obeying what's down here. And when you down here begin to know, this is wrong. I shouldn't do this. Well, you may not know where the Bible says it's wrong yet, but in your heart, when you know it's wrong, that's what this prayer was in Psalms 19. Keep me back from presumptuous sins. You back off. Even if other people are doing it, you just know, that's wrong to do. I can't do that. You know, if other Christians want to drink and say it's okay, let them drink and think it's okay. I've seen nothing but disaster out of drinking. At the very least, 
concerning drinking for Christians. Oh, boy, this nothing's in the notes. Man, I'll get back to where we are. At the very least, think about this. Jesus said, it's better to have a millstone around your neck and be cast to the depths of sea than to cause a little one to stumble. Would you really want to drink two or three beers in front of some young kid from an alcoholic family? And they look at you as a man or woman of God, and they say, well, it must be okay. I see what it did to my dad. I see what it did to my mom. But here's Mr. Holy, Holy Christian. Here's Mrs. Holy Christian. And they say beer's okay because that kid then turned into alcoholic because of what you did. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, there's so many things in life we've got to know that's more involved than just our little world. We're being watched all the time. So anyway, in this, in this prayer right here in Psalms 19, there's so many things there. You need to learn that and pray that. But Proverbs 18.21 then, you get down to talk about the words today, the heart, the words, and action, the words. says, death and life are the power of the tongue. Death and life are the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So I want you to notice that death is listed first. Death is listed first, and the entire unsaved world is under the negative influence of the devil and a fallen man. The entire unsaved world is negative, going backwards. They think about things like bad luck and good luck. You don't find luck in the Bible, you find blessing and cursing. Amen. He redeemed us as believers with the blood of Jesus from the curse of the law, from the curse of fallen men. And luck is not in my vocabulary. You know, if I tell you something good happened in my life, and you say, ain't you lucky? You know, I'm going to tell you, no, I ain't lucky. I'm redeemed from luck. I'm blessed. Jesus told me I'm blessed. Well, I'll tell you what, that Samples family, man, they sure have a lot of good luck. We have no luck. We're redeemed from luck. We have blessing because we choose blessing. Death and life's in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, when you think about that word power, that word power is talking about authority. We have authority over death. And the death here, we're just talking about physical death or spiritual death. It could be death of a marriage. How many know that some marriages, they die? Well, could it have to be that the husband or wife doesn't know about the authority they have in the words yet? And they say dumb things all the time like, I don't like you. I don't love you like I used to. I can't stand you. They're beginning to speak death into that marriage. I can't wait till these kids grow up. So these kids grow up, I'm out of here. Well, why you guys stand together? For the kids. You know what you're doing? You're speaking death right into that marriage. Well, when I married you, you had such a good job. You were such a good provider. How could he help it if he got laid off because the economy tanked? How could he help it if they decided to downsize and relocate 2,000 miles away and they don't want to move 2,000 miles away? You know, there's so many things that we have to, believers have to realize that, you know, I know that... uh, a lot of you got married under some uh, vows that were, were scriptural vows. But when you get married in line with the Word of God, you're not, you're not doing this marriage till death do his part, sickness, 
sickness and health and poverty and lack and all that stuff. Deuteronomy 28 says we're blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed coming in and blessed going out. We're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. Everything we set our hand to prospers. And when you get married under the blessings of God, you recognize that even if we're going through a hard time, we're married till rapture take us out. That's how I got married. I got married till till we're raptured. When we're raptured, then praise God. I just read this morning in our in our Bible study in Mark chapter twelve. Jesus said, "You get to heaven, said there's no husbands and wives are like angels. You know, we just in heaven like that." Because the, uh, the Pharisees asked him in Mark chapter twelve, said, "What if somebody got married and then got somebody died, got married again, somebody died, and then up married seven times, and everybody married went through deaths and things like that?" They so said, "Who's?" Whose, whose wife's that going to be to get to heaven? Jesus said, they're not a husband's wife's in heaven. He said, we don't really care. And so it's so great to know if you've got an ex-spouse, you get to heaven and they're born again, everybody gets along. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. And so I'm saying this. That word death right there, you can speak death onto your job and destroy your job. You can speak death over your car. Well, that car's making a noise. Uh, I don't know what's happening. We got it paid off, so it'll probably die next week. Death and life of the power of the tongue. The whole world is programmed negative. How many, how many used to watch my cousin on TV? Well, who's your cousin on TV? Pastor Junior Samples, of course. Did anybody watch Hee Haw? What do you remember the Hee Haw theme song? Death and gloom and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I got redeemed. You know, my cousin Junior may not have known anything, but I got born again, and I got born again to win. I know some things now. You know what my, you know what my song is? If it weren't for good blessings, I'd have no blessings at all. Because there's no bad blessings. They're good blessings. And so we changed the theme song. My family lives into the blessings. Why does your family live in the blessings? Because Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life is the power of my tongue. I choose to speak blessings. The world is negative and does not know how to talk right. The world lives under a different God. The world lives under a different system. I'm in the kingdom of God system. I'm in the kingdom of heaven system. Amen? And so I choose to learn the language of the kingdom of heaven. And so anyway, until a person is born again, with the life and nature of God inside, they don't have the ability to speak life in hopeless situations. And, you know, you get stage four blood cancer, that's kind of a hopeless situation. But from the very start of that diagnosis, I called for the elders of this church, before I talked publicly to the church, I had the elders gather around me over in Victory Hall, had a big bottle of oil. I said, guys, get some oil on your hands. Put some oil on me. I said, Pastor, Pastor Dave's going to pray the prayer of faith over me. And I said, when he prays, prays the prayer of faith over me from James 5, 14 to 15, it says, when you call for the elders of the church, they anoint you to pray the prayer of faith. It says, the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Yeah. And so I said, elders, moment forward, you never have to pray for my healing again. The power of God was released when the prayer was made. If you See me going through hard times and think about things as this healing process is working. Do I have to pray again? God heard right now because he said he did. I said, all you need to do is when you think about me, say, Jesus, I want to thank you on that day when the prayer of faith was prayed. 
healing power of God is released into our pastor's body. And from that moment on, he's getting better every day. I come out and made a, made a, told the congregation on that Sunday morning then, I said, guys, I've been diagnosed. I said, don't be praying and begging Jesus to do something. He already told me. I got a word from him. He said, James 5, 14, 15. said, when the elders prayed, the pastor was healed. And so through the things I went through with doctors, I went through the process because that's the road I was on. I never again prayed for Jesus to heal me because I took him at his word. He said, the prayer of faith healed the sick. I took him at his word. I hung on to what he said. Why is that? Death and life are the power of my tongue. I was at a pastor's conference. Matter of fact, I talked to the pastor uh, up in Minnesota. David, how do you pronounce that city? San Luis what? San Luis Obispo. I'm not... Whatever it is, I didn't say Nabisco. I'm not... I'm not... I, 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 I am really... I'm really Latino, Hispanic, American here now because that's what I am. might not look like it a lot, but I still just haven't learned the dialogue that much about how to pronounce all the cities. But anyway, down at that city there, where they had a lot of preachers down there last fall, he said, Pastor, can you come up and let these preachers pray for you? And I said, if all due respect, I said, this is not pride. I said, the preachers don't need to pray for me. I said, I was anointed with all the name of the Lord back in January. This was many months before that. And I said, the healing power of God is working in my body. I guess I didn't look too good down there even yet. But I said, I said now listen, I said, don't, don't, don't hear me wrong. I said, I'm not too proud for prayer. If I needed prayer, I'd get it. But I said, you just thank God that his power is already working in me because my elders prayed. And when they prayed, it's not that they're more spiritual than you guys. It's just that why should I pray for something when he already heard me? What am I doing? I'm saying, Jesus, back in January, you wasn't really listening. Back in January, there wasn't any faith released. The only faith we needed was in God's Word. And so what I'm saying is this. Through that whole process last year, I knew there was authority in my words. And so my words stayed hooked up with God's Word, what He said. And you know, that's another way people try to know the voice of God. The Word of God is the voice of God. That's the only witness you need. If Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover... Why do you got to have a voice? He's already said that's how it works. If Jesus said, bring the tithe into the storehouse, I'll open the windows of heaven and rebuke the devourer, why do you have to ask him to open something when he said he would? Why do you have to ask him to do something when he said he would? See, we're talking about your words. You need to stick with the word of God, what he says. And so death and life are the power of the tongue. So anyway, I want you to go over to John chapter 8. And we're showing you about the victory that's already in your mouth. And so it says you've got a choice. Death and life. Blessing and cursing. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, therefore choose life. You make a choice what you're going to say every day. And so John chapter 8 verse 44. And you might note in verse 33 I mean, in verse 3 of that chapter there, it tells you who Jesus was talking to. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the day. So there's a long conversation going on here as Jesus talked with them. And so we get down to verse 44. And I want you to notice what Jesus said. Now listen, he wasn't talking to ranked sinners. He's talking to religious leaders. So these are people that knew the Old Covenant. They knew the Torah. They knew the, they knew the, knew the five books of Moses. They knew things because that's what they were 
they were religious preachers, that Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. He told these religious leaders, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so what Jesus was saying is this, there's two spiritual families on the earth. There's two spiritual families on earth. And so no matter how much Bible school a religious leader has, how much religious training they have, Jesus told us, another verse to write down, in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said, you must be born again to understand spiritual things. You must be born again to understand the Bible. And so these religious leaders, of course, they couldn't be born again yet because Jesus hadn't died yet. And we'll be talking about born again in just a little bit. But we have to understand there's two spiritual families on the earth. And so when a person hears the gospel, they can make a choice to change spiritual fathers or to stay the same. See, Jesus is teaching us spiritual things. And as I'm today equipping you for victorious Christian living, the only book I have to teach you from is the Bible. And whether you, see, if you're born again right now, what I'm saying, you're understanding with your heart because you're born again. But if you're not a saved person yet that's received Jesus yet, you're probably thinking something like this. Well, what does pastor mean that if I'm not born again, my spiritual father's the devil? I don't live for the devil. I'm not a Satan worshiper. I, I don't, I don't go to seances and I don't do evil things. Well, Jesus said that until you're born again, your father's the devil. That's why the world is negative, does not have to talk right. That's why the world thinks that whatever kind of sexual life you want to live is okay. If it makes you happy, do it. That's why the world thinks it's foolish to go to church every Sunday. It's foolish to give tips in your income to some church. It's foolish, etc., 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 because they don't have spiritual understanding on the inside. And so what I'm saying this, this is not a put-down on anybody that's not a Christian. It's not a put-down at all. It's just a spiritual fact. Spiritual fact is, Adam and Eve were real people. Adam and Eve were the ones that God started the whole human race through. Adam and Eve walked with God. Adam and Eve had a commandment of God. Don't eat that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but go to the tree of life. And so Adam and Eve made a choice. The devil came and tempted them to make a wrong choice. So because they were the ones starting off the human race, when Adam and Eve transgressed against God's commandment to eat of the tree of life, stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when they did that, whether we like it or not, that caused the whole human race to unhook from God. And when that happened, Satan became the spiritual father of the human race. In other words, Adam and Eve were born again in reverse. They had a connection with God. They lost their connection connected with the devil. So they were born again in reverse. And everybody's thinking, well, that's not fair. You're right. That's very not fair that we received that curse because of what they did. But it wasn't fair either for the Son of God. 
come down from heaven. I give up heaven. I die on the cross. I become a curse for something he didn't do. That wasn't fair, but he made it fair for us then. All we need to do when we hear the gospel then is say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You died for my sins. Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart. Jesus, I want to go to heaven when I die. That makes it fair then. We got it back. So the whole thing was, Adam and Eve did something that penalized the whole race. Jesus did something, brought the race, the family, the family of earth back into right standing with him. Amen. And so the whole point, the whole point of this whole thing I just said is this. Because the world has a spiritual father that's not God our father, they're negative. All they think is loose, losing. All they think is bad luck. They don't think about sickness and healing. They think about sickness, disease, and dying. But Jesus said, in the family of God, if you get sick, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. They think about, well, you can't ever tell if the man upstairs pulls the string. And it's your time to go. Man upstairs pulls the string. How many have ever heard that goofy stuff? He pulls the string. You can't ever tell. Well, I can tell because I know my Bible. Psalms 91 is a good psalm. But verse 14 through 16 says, When you choose to position yourself out of the shadow of the Most High, you choose to live for God and do what's right. Verse 16, he says, With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. He said long life. How many know that 30 years old isn't long? 60 years old isn't long. I used to think 60 years old was old, but about a decade ago, I decided that that wasn't old. I was talking to a fellow pastor back in uh, up in Minnesota last week, and uh, we were both, you know, around 70 years old. And said, I asked him, I said, how long do you think is old? He said, well, I think probably somewhere in the upper 90s. I said, yeah, I think probably too. I said, you know, as we get there, we will. And so what have I said? I've said this, the world thinks 50s old. The world thinks if you get to live to be maybe six or 65 years old, you've done pretty good. Well, if you don't have God in your life, you do that old, I guess that is probably pretty good. But when you have Jesus in you, and you know you're redeemed from dementia, you're redeemed from Alzheimer's, you're redeemed from arthritis, you're redeemed from all the stupid, dumb things that are out there, that's not to say you don't have to take faith over those things. We have to use our faith every day. You hear those body aches and things. Keep that off of us. We're not going to have those. But if you decide from the Bible, you can live long and live strong at the same time. Have a sound mind. Have plenty of income to enjoy life with, etc., etc. That makes you want to live longer. And what am I talking about? The world, under the influence of the devil, is negative. Who want to live long if you don't know if you might get Alzheimer's or not? Who want to live long with Alzheimer's? Who want to live long with dementia where you don't know which ends up? Who want to live long if you're broke and don't, don't know what you're going to have to exist on? But when you've got a covenant, and the Bible tells you in 3 John 2, above all else, God wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, then you begin to operate in Proverbs 18.21. You begin, man, I want to speak life. I want to speak life. I want to speak life. Death and life is the power of my tongue. And what am I talking about? Your heart, your words, 
and your action. How many Christians that don't know the Bible, that we all know Christians, that don't know a lot about the Bible, and they don't realize, they don't realize not only do you want to have a right heart, you want to have right words. I want to say that again. How many of us have Christian friends, they don't know a thing about divine healing? They don't know a thing about the benefits of tithing. And so they've got a right heart like we do. I mean, how can you have any righter heart than to be born again and loving Jesus? You know, it doesn't make any difference what denomination you go to. doesn't make any difference about who your pastor is. You can love Jesus as much as we love Jesus. We love Jesus as much as them. But you got to start getting those words right if you want the benefits of Jesus. Amen. Then you got to start having the right actions too. So we're looking at the words right now. Now, what a key that is, because Jesus watches the heart, the words, and the action. And so anyway, shift over to Mark chapter 11. And by the way, if you don't know it, we do a Bible study together every month. And this this was our our chapter yesterday, was Mark chapter 11. And the, we, got the new, we got the new sheet out there for uh, the scripture readings for the month of July, which since it'll start tomorrow, but the sheet's out there. But Mark chapter 11, we're going to lead... Read verse 22 and 23 to start off with. I want you to notice this in Mark chapter 11. And Jesus answered, says unto them, unto them, have faith in God. Well, that's the number one ingredient to be pleasing to God is have faith in him. And so your faith in God comes from hearing what God said in his word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And then Jesus, uh, literally in the Greek, it says have the faith of God. So he's telling us how to use the faith of God that you have in your heart. How many here are born again? Raise your hand if you're born again. Okay, according to the Bible, you've got God's faith in your heart then. But you have to know how to use the faith of God. So then in verse 23, he says this in the faith of God, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. So see, already we've got the heart and the mouth going. Got heart things here, got mouth things going here. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And so Jesus has told us how to use the faith of God. Has anybody here been born again long enough you've ever read the book of Genesis? Has anybody ever read Genesis, Genesis chapter 1? That's the first book in the Bible. Did anybody ever notice that God said, let there be light. Said, let there be light. God said, let the waters cover the earth. Waters cover the earth. God said, let there be fishes in the waters. Fishes appeared. God said, let there be plants growing. God said that every seed will reproduce after itself. God said, how did God use his faith? He said, so see, that's what Jesus tells us right here. He said, have the God kind of faith. He said, use your faith like God used his faith. And let me give you an example of how the death of life is. How many know in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2, it says, God looked out the earth and the earth was dark. It says, full of darkness. Well, God didn't say, oh, it's dark down there. What did God say? In God's heart, God didn't want dark. God wanted light. So God said, let there be light. And in the Hebrew, 
what God said was, light be, light was. God didn't like all land. God wanted water. So God said, water be, water was. And so in our lives, we have to understand, if you're looking at darkness in your situation, what would darkness be? It may be you got high bills. And you're doing right. You're tired to do it right. Don't keep saying, oh, it's getting darker, getting darker, getting darker. Well, what do you mean? Don't keep saying, we're broke, we're broke, we're broke. Don't keep saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Start speaking light. Start speaking abundance. Start speaking if you're a tither. Start speaking in line with your tithing covenant. You know what? My wife and I, when we're facing some financial crisis in the past, in the name of Jesus, we'll never have another one. But in the past, when we faced it, you know what? I, you know, because I've learned the language of faith, you know what I say? We just hold hands, look up to heaven, and say, isn't it so wonderful we got a covenant with God? It is so wonderful to know that this is changing because we're living under open windows. And then I'll say things like, you know, I remember before I knew Jesus, before I knew I was redeemed from the curse, things like this happened would put us under. But praise God, it's so wonderful to know we're living under open windows. And sometimes when it looks like it's going from bad to worse, I say, man, you know what? If we didn't know that God rebuked the devourer for us, this could be bad. But thank God he rebuked the devourer for us. The windows of heaven are open. What am I doing? I'm teaching you. I'm equipping you for a victorious Christian living right now. Death and life is in your mouth. That mountain you're looking at, Jesus said, you speak to that mountain. He said, you tell it to be removed. And shall not doubt it is what? What's Jesus looking at? Your heart, your words. And your actions. So how would that look in finance? How would that work in finances? Number one, faith is in your heart, not in your head. That's why I said in Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to the world, renew your mind. And so faith will work even when doubts hit your head, as long as it's not in your heart. He said, shall not doubt in his heart. And what I've had to do in situations... I think about finances right now. I close my eyes. And I look at my heart. I say, Jesus, look at my heart. I don't doubt. And then I say, head, shut up. I say, head, be quiet. I say, reasoning, get out of here. You're not going to tell me why it won't work. My heart says that the word works. My heart says that God's rebuked the devourer. My heart says we have more than enough. I have to close my eyes to do that when I do that because I have to make this shut up so I can live out of here because Jesus says, shall not doubt in his heart. And then I say things like this. Jesus, look at my heart. You know I'm not doubting. Jesus, my heart says we got it. My heart says it's working. He's looking at heart, words, and action. And so then, this thought never comes to me, but I know it comes to some of you because I know some of you aren't highly developed yet. And so when it comes to me, if it came to me, well, that 10% off your paycheck this week, don't bring it in. He's looking at heart, words, and actions. My heart says that God's doing his part. My words are saying God's doing his part. But when Sunday comes, if 
I put a dollar in and think I'm tithing, I'm deceiving myself. If I believe that God's doing what He said He's going to do, why would I keep the tithe this week just because it's tight? Might have to say, no Derek went Del Taco this week. And then, if you blow the money on other things, you have to be honest with God. This is your heart's right. You've got to say, God, I spent your money at Del Taco last week. I spent your money on new shoes. I spent your money on this. Because what about your heart? If you're going to have a right heart, you can't lie to him and say you didn't have it. You have to be honest. You know, sometimes I think the Bible should have said uh, pastor instead of pastor. Because sometimes we pester. But you know what? We've got to step on toes to help people live a victorious Christian life. Amen. The Word always works if you work the Word. Amen. And so Jesus said, shall not doubt in his heart. And so it's not enough just to have faith in your heart. Your words, the other fill in the blank, your words must line up with the faith in your heart if you want to get good results. Your words have got to line up with the faith that you have. So whether it's healing, financial security, deliverance from sin and old, old addictions, stable life and family, the will of God for all believers should be blessed in every area of life, but your words have got to hook up with where your heart is. They're a big part of your victory. Now notice verse 24. Verse 23 is talking about your everyday conversation, your everyday talk. And then verse 24, Jesus said, therefore, and you see a therefore, you need to see why it's there for. Well, the reason this is there is because verse 23, he's training you to watch your words every day. And so verse 24, Jesus said, therefore, because you're learning the language of faith, how to talk right every day. Therefore, I say unto you, what things, and then the rest of you said things. God's concerned about your things, spiritual things and natural things. You know, uh, a car's a good thing. And if you're a pastor, got blessed with a nice place in Newberry Springs, a boat's a good thing. I'll give you a testimony about how that works. He said, therefore, I say unto you, what things? So ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Talk about heart again. Believe that you receive them and you shall what? Have them. He said, therefore, because verse 23, you've learned, you'll have whatsoever you sayeth, because you realize how important your everyday conversation is. Therefore, now you're ready to pray. Is anybody seeing that? See, he's teaching you about the faith part first before the praying part. Because faith gets the job done, but if you learn how to talk right, your everyday words will void your prayer. You'll erase your prayer by the everyday words you have. And so verse 23 is talking about everyday conversation. Verse 24 then is talking about praying. And so this verse now is talking about your prayer life. And so you must discipline yourself to speak in line with the Word of God or you will avoid every prayer that you ever pray. You will have what you pray only if you guard what you say. Right there is worth the whole service. You will have what you pray 
only with you. Guard what you say. Now, I made this statement a while ago. I'm going to make it again right now. You must learn the language of silence before you become skillful in the language of faith. The language of faith is the language of speaking God's word. But if you don't learn to keep your mouth shut and guard your words, first of all, that's called the language of silence. If you don't learn that first, then you'll never learn the language of faith. Because the language of faith don't count. If every other thing you say is negative, still in what you said. And now, uh, I want to give you a testimony. That's a really fresh testimony from yesterday. It's so amazing to me. Uh, I don't know what to say. It's just so amazing to me. Every time the Lord does something like this, it really amazes me. Do you remember last week we talked about you want God to do big things in your life? Ephesians 3.20, He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Remember last week we talked about that? Well, you know, we got blessed with this place where we live at. Uh, thank you, Nadine, for doing your part all the time. And thank you, Hubby, again for helping me yesterday. It was really wonderful. But anyway, uh, my wife, I was very content where I lived in Barstow. And last year, after just sitting around kind of like a zombie most of the year, well, my wife saw the healing start to manifest in my body. She thinks, man, I'm not going to let him grow to be an old man and join his little flower garden here in, Bar- in Barstow. I'm going to get something bigger. So she prayed in the 10-acre place. Got the orchard, got the lake and everything like that because of inheritance and things. She said, watch out, people don't think that we're extravagant preachers. Well, for her parents' time, we inherited money from Silver House. We got some more money. So anyway, was able to pay for this place. Pretty much paid it off already, just about paid for. But anyway, as we got this lake, we're finding out we really need a boat in there to be able to take care of it right and do things and be able to take our grandkids out fishing and stuff on the lake. And so about three weeks ago, Around coming up on Father's Day, my wife and I decided that we need a boat. And so then she, for Father's Day, because of some of her inheritance money, her inheritance money decided she wants to get me the boat, and she says, I'll pay $400 for a boat. Well, I didn't know at that point in time that boats cost a lot more than that, things like that. We looked and looked and looked, and she got $400 for my boat. And so this is three weeks ago. And so I started... Google looking at boats, and I decided the kind of boat I wanted for the size of my lake. I wanted a flat boat. I wanted a boat with three seats in it. I wanted a boat with a trolling motor. And my wife's going to get that for $400 because she has what she says. Because she knows how to talk right and how to pray right. Started looking, and I couldn't find any boats like that anywhere because I come to find out that not a lot of boats were sale in the desert. I don't know why. And so I found some boats maybe down that price range in Kentucky. And so then I thought, man, do I want to buy a boat from Kentucky and then pay two or three thousand dollars to have to send it to California? And so we I looked and looked and looked for a few days, doing all the Craigslist, that stuff, man. Finally, after a few days, I gave up on that. I said, I want to thank you, Jesus, that I've got this prayed for. This is the boat I want. Described it, everything like that. And so then Gave it to the Lord and uh, got some people helped me look for one and got Joe Mumford looking for one. And so Joe Mumford texted me, uh, I don't know, Friday or probably Friday, and let me know, Pastor, sent me the picture of this boat, $400. Amen. And so, anyway, we went to pick it up yesterday. That's another pastor in California, in Barstow, that I knew. And so I asked him, I said, how long you had this boat? He said, a guy gave it to me three weeks ago. 
I said, how'd that happen? He said, oh, I had a bunch of old junk here I wanted to get rid of. And the guy said, hey, I'll trade you both for that junk. The guy didn't call it junk, it was treasure to him. But he said, God said, I'll give you this boat for that. So, Ephesians 3.20, exceeded money, etc. I got the boat, got a really nice boat trailer. I wasn't praying for the boat trailer, that got thrown in. Got the boat trailer, that got a five-speed, three-forward, two-backwards trolling motor. And my friend Joe told me, he said, man, that's better than mine, Pastor. That's really a good motor. And so, how did that happen? You could have what you say. If you have what you say, you have what you pray at $400. I told that pastor, I said, $400. I said, that's the exact price my wife prayed for. And the guy said, really? I said, yeah. And so, what am I telling you? I've equipped you for a victorious Christian living. God has the things, whatsoever thing, things you desire. Things. A boat's a thing. The car you need's a thing. The job you need's a thing. Amen. The things you need. So I'm going to close with Romans chapter 10. So we want to make sure we, you see the things you need. So God's word must be in your heart and in your mouth to get the results you need. So Romans chapter 10, you're going to see this. And this will put the icing on the cake. And uh, we want to make sure you come back tonight. I just but Chuck, hold up your hand. Chuck, one of my sons in the faith, been around this for a long time. He's finally getting back to the place in his life where he can preach again and teach again. So Chuck's going to teach us the Word of God tonight. Amen. It's going to be good. But uh, I was talking to Chuck. I said, we've got to always remember our main goal is to help the people sitting out there listening. And so the main goal today, as I close with this last verse, here's this. You've got to get this about your words. You've got to get this together. And if you want to keep on talking goofy, you're going to keep on receiving goofy. Amen. And somebody said, somebody's, somebody's thinking this right now. Jesus perceived their thoughts. Somebody right now has got this thought going on. Yeah, but it's hard. Well, everything you start doing is hard until you get trained in it. It was hard for me to walk around the property where I live at when I first got there. Because I've been flabby for a year sitting in a stupid chair doing nothing. I had old man legs. I don't have old man legs anymore. I can run around that property now and do all kinds of things all day long. I don't have old man legs anymore. I hurt so bad when we bought this place. Every day I went out there, I had to crawl back in the house. You can ask Mrs. Pastor, not exaggerating. I hurt so bad, but I knew if I didn't get out there and start making myself do something, I'd never do it. I made myself do it. It's not hard anymore. It's easy. And so, yes, it is hard to make yourself start talking right. But once you do it, it's a way of life. Amen. Romans 10, verse 8 says this. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. You see the mouth heart again? Jesus is looking at your mouth. He's looking at your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. We are a word of faith church because we preach the word of faith. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and Paul said the word of faith which he preaches. So if any of your friends that don't know what we are say, well, where'd that come from? Say, well, it's been around at least 2,000 years. But he's actually quoting from the book of Deuteronomy here. It's been around 6,000 years. He said we preach the word of faith. So we're word of faith preachers like Paul. And so he says, be in your heart and you're in your mouth if you want to get results. 
Psalms 119.11, David said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So the word's got to be in your heart and then in your mouth. Verse 9, verse 10. I'll close down for this. Look at this real quickly so you get this. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, that Jesus is Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart, there's the mouth of the heart, that God's raised you from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The heart and the mouth are always connected. And then he says, For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. And just to briefly explain to you what that means, that's how you start off your faith walk. You hear about Jesus. You believe at your heart that Jesus is God's Son. You confess out of your mouth He's Lord. You want Him for your Savior. That gets you started. But that word salvation there doesn't just mean born again, receiving eternal life. It does mean that. But it also means, comes from the Greek word, I'm not getting into all that right now. Anyway, that word contains deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, and health. And that word confession says that your confession is made unto your deliverance. Your confession is made unto your prosperity. Your confession is made unto your healing. Your confession is made unto your safety, etc. And so your victory is in your mouth. If you want victory, you need to begin to speak victory, confess victory, talk victory. Never be afraid to get on an airplane. It says safety is in your salvation. When God sends me somewhere, I get on an airplane. I've got that plane prayed over. I've got the pilots prayed over. Uh, I got the 50 Middle, Middle Eastern people from Minnesota that sit all around me prayed over. I'm not afraid about who I fly with, where I fly to, because my safety is in my mouth. I confess it according to the Word of God. I've got it. And so, I just will leave that with you, congregation. Heart, words, and actions, they're all equally important, equally valuable. Always work in those three areas of your life, and you're going to live a victorious Christian life. Amen. Mrs. Pastor has given me the eye. All right. Okay. So, this is how you work at your house. Or even, you know, you single folks when you're out fellowshipping together. So you say something stupid, right? I mean, I mean, you speak some curse. Oh, I'm never going to get that job or something. So you, as the mate or the friend, say, is that what you want? You can have what you say. Is that what you really want? And it causes the other person to think about what they're saying. And they'll say, oh, no, that's not what I want. You know, so you kind of help one another out until you learn how to talk right. You know, pastor says before you learn how to talk right, the best thing you can do is the language of silence. And that's just don't say anything. But when you learn how to talk right, say what you want, say what the Bible says that you can have. Then, I mean, you know, you may even get mad at one another, you know. Well, is that what you really want? <clears throat> you know, but 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 it's for your own good. You know what I'm saying? So I just love Timothy and Beth. I'm just thinking about you too. You know, when you say something stupid, Timothy, Beth, you say, is that what you really want? If Beth says something stupid, Timothy, you say to her, is that what you really want? And you get your words right. Okay. And sometimes, you you know, you're staring at the circumstances and blah, blah, blah. 
Well, your words will change the circumstances if they line up with the word of God. You just got to just keep on saying, you know, keep on saying what the Lord says you can have in his word. And you will have what you say, because that's just what just that's just the God we serve. Amen. Preach it, sister. Hallelujah. And, and can I tell you something else? Uh, my head really just started doubting about that boat. I kind of let loose of it, but my heart had it because we got the boat. But my head, my head looked at Craigslist and Amazon too much. And so I got out of it, but I never said anything negative. I never stopped on it. I just thanked him for it. So I just, I just want to tell you. Don't let your head rule your life. Let your heart and your words rule it. Even if you begin to doubt in your head, Jesus said, whatsoever you say from your heart, it'll come to pass. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Stand up. And uh... Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.